Let's pray before we consider this. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word that points us to your son, the saviour. Please, by your spirit, speak through me today. Empower me to speak with clarity and faithfulness and love and helpfulness. Lord, we pray too by your spirit you might open our minds and hearts to receive this word, to believe it, to respond to it in ways that please you and as that we might show that we are our Lord Jesus' disciples. Amen. One writer says, a man called Jonathan didn't see the need for deep and deeper involvement with his church. He approached the whole venture of church as an individual, as if surviving and flourishing in life depended all on him. Fueling his individualism was his pride and I can do this on my own attitude. And he approached church as a consumer. He went to church to get things, not to give or serve or love. He went to church to listen to the sermon and to learn more about God and faith and the Bible and and that was it. But Jonathan didn't realize he needed the church. And relationships in the congregation were vital to his faith and others needed him. What is the goal of church? Is it all intellectual? Like Jonathan, is it about you learning information for your own edification? Or should the goal of church be you hearing an inspiring message or songs so that you can feel good and be uplifted or so that you can know how God wants to bless you now with material wealth? Or is should church be about praying for people's physical and spiritual healing? Or is the loving community, us all feeling accepted and cared for, is that what matters most? Or should we focus most of all on, on caring for the poor in the wider community? God's word says something different than all of these. What we learn from the Apostle Paul, the church planter Paul, is that he was focused on proclaiming Christ and helping people grow to maturity in him. And that must be our focus too. We're in this series through the letter of Colossians and in the last two weeks we've heard that Christ is making clear that Christ, that Paul is making clear that Christ is first. Christ is first and supreme over all as the creator and the ruler and the reconciler. Paul has just said that he wants them to remain firm in faith with real hope in the gospel and now he talks about his purpose, his commitment to preach Christ. I'm going to have two main points today. The focus, making Christ known, and the goal, maturity in Christ. So first, the focus, making Christ known. At the end of verse 29, Paul said he was, sorry, verse 23, Paul said he was a servant of the gospel. And then if you look in verse 25, he's saying he's become a servant of the church, the body, And he has served the good news about Jesus and the church by carrying out the mission that God gave him, that is, making the word of God fully known. We read about that earlier in Acts chapter 9. Remember Paul's conversion. And remember, we just read how the Lord said to Ananias that Paul is the Lord Jesus' chosen instrument 
to take his name to Gentiles, kings and Israelites. And also the Lord said, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And the book of Acts and places like 2 Corinthians 11, they record the sufferings of Paul, the sufferings he endured, those floggings and stonings and the sacrifices he made, the long hard work, the persecution, prison. And remember, it's from prison that he writes this letter. He's in chains, chapter 4, verse 18. And Paul mentions his sufferings for the Colossians, for the church in verse 24. Much has been written on this much debated verse and what it means, what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. It is not saying that there is anything lacking in Christ's suffering to save us from sin. Paul is not saying that he contributes anything to Christ's substitutionary and saving sacrifice. Remember, when Christ was dying on the cross, before he died, he cried out this, it is finished. What Paul is saying is that he's suffering to make the word of God known. He is willing to suffer to get the gospel to people, to grow churches. So the suffering still being endured is not for salvation, it's for proclamation. And servants of the gospel still suffer today to get the word of God to others. The Chai family came to my mind those among many, but they have left family and friends to go elsewhere to speak of Christ. Or just think of the arrest, the prison, the poverty, the death that numerous believers suffer around the world for proclaiming Christ. We should also be willing to suffer to get the gospel out there and not put our own comfort first. We should be willing to suffer rejection and criticism and conflict. And if you do, if you do suffer for Christ, know that he is with you. And may you be able to rejoice that you suffer for the one who suffered to save you. Coming back to the main point here, Paul is fully committed to making the word of God fully known, the mystery known. But by mystery, it doesn't mean secret. A secret that no one knows or only a few know, it means, as verse 26 says, something that was hidden for ages but has now been revealed to the saints, to Christ's people. The mystery is like a big product launch or the next installment of a big blockbuster movie. God is announcing the biggest upgrade to the original product, Covenant 2.0. Covenant version 2, the old covenant has been replaced by the new, and it won't be released just to Israel. It's going to be released to the whole world. As verse 27 says, God wants it to be made known among the Gentiles. That's all non-Jews. There Paul calls the mystery Christ in you, the hope of glory. In 2 verse 2, he simply calls the mystery Christ. In Ephesians chapter 3, it makes really clear what the mystery is. It's that Gentiles would be saved and included in God's people through the saving work of Christ. 
And yes, from Genesis 12, Genesis 12 verse 3 onwards, the scriptures like in the Psalms and Isaiah and Jonah and more, through all of that, God has been promising to bless and save the Gentiles, the non-Jews. But the Jews in Jesus' day, Paul's day, they didn't believe it or welcome it when it came. The mystery is good news that anyone of any background, if they turn from sin and seek salvation by trusting in Christ, then they will be saved. You will be saved. Reconciliation with God, as we heard last week, that's what it means. And we have a certain hope of eternal life, full salvation of being with Jesus. On top of that, believing the gospel means that you receive Christ in you now. Christ's spirit will come to live in you, your heart and soul. And look at how this mystery, this message of salvation is described in verse 27. It's described as glorious wealth or the riches of glory, more literally. When we believe in Christ and receive him as Lord and Savior, we experience the riches. We can experience the riches of complete understanding, 2 verse 2. For in him, in Jesus, are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Feb 2013, in California, Mary and John were out walking their dog when they noticed a metal can sticking out of the ground. After carefully digging out the rusty old can and opening it, their life changed forever. They found a sizable hoard of gold coins. Soon after, on their land, they discovered other cans full of 19th century gold coins. In total, they found 1,400 coins valued at $10 million. The treasure was labelled the Saddle Ridge Hoard. It's the biggest lost treasure find in American history. But no one knows who lost it. The treasure that is Christ is not lost, but people need to find him. And... Our eyes, our eyes have been open to the truth if we have found Christ. And if we have found him, we have found the greatest treasure in the whole wide world. Yes, it's better than $10 million. He is the hope of eternal glory. That is of being with God in God's very presence in the joyful new creation. And this glorious wealth of Christ, it cannot be taken from or stolen from us. In Christ, we find the greatest treasure. Believe it. Fanny Crosby was a 19th century missionary and poet and hymn writer. She wrote famous hymns, including Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, and To God Be the Glory. She was blind from near birth, and she once said this, If I had a choice, I would still choose to remain blind. For when I die, the first face I will see will be the face of my blessed Saviour. How glorious that will be for her and for us. Christ was her treasure. 
Is he yours? So Paul is fully committed to making the message about Christ known because that's what God wants to happen. John Wesley was a famous preacher and evangelist. In the 1700s, for about 60 years, he travelled. It's estimated about 2,000 miles around Britain, mostly on horseback. He preached several times a day. I don't think I could do that. It's estimated he preached about 4,000 sermons and sometimes to crowds of over 20,000 people. No microphone, remember. Tens of thousands were saved. At the end of his life, though, he commissioned a young man, Thomas Koch, to help him to help lead the church in the USA. And as he said his final farewells at the dock, Wesley said, offer them Christ, Thomas. Offer them Christ. And what better send-off could he have given? Or what greater privilege could anyone have? And that's what we remain committed to and focused on as a church at Bundy. Christ and making him known. Your pastors and preachers must keep offering to you and to the lost, Christ. Those gifted in evangelism must keep offering people Christ. Yet all believers are to be committed to and contributing to the making of disciples. So we all are to speak of Christ. So I urge you, it would be helpful to register for the evangelism training that's starting today, I encourage you to begin 242. That is praying two minutes a day for two friends. Pray two minutes a day for two friends to be saved as they meet Jesus. May our Meet Jesus mission this year be one which every one of us owns and commits to and praise for. As a church, we must make Christ and the word of God fully known and remain focused on expository preaching and teaching, explaining and applying the word of God. We must keep making it known in our growth groups, our youth groups, and Sunday school. As a church, as individual Christians, let's keep making Christ known. So when you or your neighbours... You or your neighbours face trouble or illness or death. You have a hope that you can share. And your brothers and sisters here need to keep hearing of Christ just as much. Pray that he will remain our focus. Remain our focus with the goal being Next point, maturity in Christ. Maturity in Christ so that, so that we can all grow to maturity in Christ. Look at verse 28. We proclaim him Christ that is warning or admonishing, teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The person who's mature is one who lacks nothing. That They're complete. It's not saying that we will reach sinless perfection in this life. But that remains our aim and our goal. And so preaching and teaching the word is not the end. Our Bible focus, our reading of God's word is the means to an end. P. 
people coming to Christ and reaching maturity in him. And really the rest of the letter of Colossians, it's written to help them, help us know Christ and mature in him. This maturity in Christ, it's it's all encompassing. It includes knowing the truth, discerning truth from error. Includes repenting of sin. Includes faith and love and hope and Christ-like character, Christ-like service, godly desires, deeds, all encompassing. Like in 2 verse 2, look at that. It includes having complete understanding so that they're not deceived by reasonable sounding arguments from false teachers, verse 4. And we'll think more about that next week. But Christians must know that false teaching, it pulls us away from Christ and it robs us of the joy and freedom and fulfillment, the love and unity that Christ loves to give. We need to stick to Jesus. The mature Christian lives knowing that Jesus is their greatest treasure and it changes everything. And in him is truth and wisdom and lasting wealth. And there is and there will be life full and free and forever in fellowship with God. He is the greatest treasure. And so we love him. A little girl once wrote to C.S. Lewis, A letter, she wrote it less than a month before he died. He wrote back, Dear Ruth, many thanks for your kind letter. It was good of you to write and tell me that you like my books. And what a very good letter for someone of your age. If you continue to love Jesus, nothing much can go wrong with you. And I hope you may always do so. What we think of Christ is everything. If you believe that Jesus Christ, that he is the without beginning and end, if you believe that as we've considered in recent weeks that he is the creator of everything, the sustainer of all things, he is presently holding the atoms of your body together, our city, our universe together, and without him it would all dissolve if you believe that he is the mystery, the incarnate reconciler, if you believe that he is the lover of your soul who loves you with an infinite love, then despite the fact that your life will be full of trouble, nothing much can go wrong. Your vision of Christ will give strength and shape to your life. What you believe about Christ makes all the difference in the world now and in eternity. And verse 2 says, what facilitates this knowledge of and faith in Christ is Christians being joined together in love. The encouragement, the love, the teaching and upbuilding of one another. We need each other to grow to maturity in Christ. And the mature Christian will be one who encourages and loves others. They will strive to help brothers and sisters. 
help their growth group or youth group or church to be knit together in love. So you see, maturity isn't just about being a super smart Christian who knows who's on top of and beats everyone with your Bible knowledge. It has love at the heart as we seek to help others follow Christ. And maybe that first needs to start with us repenting of our selfishness. Paul was 100% committed. He was all in for the Colossians. And the goal of seeing them grow to maturity in Christ. In verse 29, see how he says, I labor for this, striving with all his strength, which works powerfully in me. Look down at 2 verse 1. He says, I want you to know how great I am struggling for you and all who've not met me personally. Notice those words there that describe his efforts. Labor. It's something that leaves you weary and tired and exhausted. Striving and, and the word struggling come from a Greek word from, for what you do when you're at the gym or when you're at the Olympic Games. Describe something that's a strenuous struggle. From that Greek word, we get the word agonizing. Paul cares. He's been agonizing for them. Like agonizing, I'm sure, in lengthy prayer, as we'll see in chapter 4 that Epaphras was. Or he's been giving up some of his best workers to go and encourage them. When we think about Paul's suffering in verse 24 and struggling for them, his attitude couldn't be more different from ours today, I think. Modern life seems geared towards avoiding suffering. We like to avoid it. Like the thing that matters most to us is being healthy and well, happy and pain-free. But what matters to and drives Paul is the welcoming of countless Gentiles into the family of God and seeing them grow. You know, Joni Erickson Tata once said, God sometimes permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Suffering is permitted to accomplish the salvation of others. It was true for Jesus, true for Paul. It's true for people today. Or it's suffering to bring godly growth. You see, the goal of suffering makes it worth it. There are people at Bundy who love to do the 5K park run. Some of us, some of you, run marathons and triathlons. You're tougher than I. But I heard of a race called the Barkley Marathon in Tennessee. This race is over 100, now it's now 130 miles, over 200 kilometers, and you have to complete it in 60 hours. It's a grueling race where people go through terrible agony and there is no prize. In 2022, no one finished the race. For the fifth year in a row. But last year, Aurelien Sanchez, a 32 year old French and electrical engineer, 
he did finish and he won. I've not heard of a more agonising mission. And Aurelian chose to go through it for the glory of finishing, finishing the great race of his life. Paid or unpaid ministry is agonising. It can be hard to save the least. But different from the Barclay, Paul goes through it to help others to help others finish and finish well. Who are you helping to run and finish well their Christian race? Who are you helping to do that? Putting others good before your own, it can be agonizing. Seeking not your own comfort but the salvation of the lost and the growth of others can be a struggle. And do you know churches are full of struggling, grieving Christians where people struggle just to stay Christian? People struggle to stay united. People struggle to resist sin and selfishness and in their suffering to keep trusting. We need each other. Hebrews 10 commands us, that we are to consider one another and provoke or spur each other on to love and good works, keep meeting together, encouraging each other. And you can do that, Christian. You can do that. Why? Because as Paul said in verse 29, what was true for him is true for us. We strive in all his strength that so powerfully works in us. Remember, we still have Christ in us, the hope of glory. So please don't sit and wait to feel strong. We work and serve and then we see God's strength as he sustains us. Yes, sometimes we need a break. Sometimes we do need to rest or stop or not take on more. And we need wisdom for this. We also need to keep crying out for Christ's strength that can and will work powerfully in you and I. We can do it in his strength is the point. So we agonize, but Christ is with us and he strengthens us. And there's also joy in this. Joy is actually the sandwich in the passage, the bookends. Look back at verse 24, 1 verse 24. Paul said, I rejoice in my suffering for you. And right at the end in 2 verse 5, he rejoices to see how they'll keep living for Christ, firm in faith. So when you see fellow Christians persevering and growing, that you have loved and invested in and served and encouraged and prayed for, it's wonderful, reminds you that it's worth it. Making Christ known and helping people mature in him is our goal as a church. And pastors and preachers, elders and leaders have particular responsibility in this. But in, in what way is this your own personal commitment and goal to? Remember Jonathan at the start? He came to church only for what he could get. 
and to grow in his own knowledge and faith. He wasn't caring about others at all. And I know many of us have lots on our plates and hard things going on. But who can you help to take one step toward Christ or to growing in Christ-likeness? Could be an adult, could be a child, maybe it's your own child. Encouraging them, maybe in their growing in their knowledge of Jesus or their trust in him. Encouraging them to use their words to love and build up and not tear down. In helping your friend or family or another family or your church to be knit together in love. Can you help someone treasure Christ above all? And it may not be about you doing more, but seeing, for example, conversations after church as an opportunity for discipleship. So not just a time to catch up, but to encourage others in their trust in and following of the Lord, our Lord. This ministry of making Christ known and helping people mature in him, it's hard. It's a slog. In our making Christ known, our striving to maturity as a church, it's a Barclay Marathon. But we strive in his strength. He will get it done. And it's worth it. It's worth it. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you that for your grace that saves and reconciles. Thank you that you are the God who redeems suffering and bring good, brings good from it, from, from true for our Lord Jesus, who suffered to bring about our salvation. Thank you, God, that even our struggling can be purposeful. Turn us away from selfishness. Help us to seek and sacrifice and serve for the good of others. Give us wisdom in that when we have other things going on. And Father God, we pray too that you might grow our love for Jesus, our love for others so that we would want and desire and pray and strive to see others come to Christ, to grow in him. Please, Father God, as a church, grow us to maturity in your Son. May this happen for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.